Okay, this is Dr. Bo Nikoi with Panhandle Weight Loss Center in Amarillo, Texas, coincidentally just down the street from me. So, Bo, thanks for being on the show today. Uh, no problem. It's going to be fun. Uh, so the title of this recording is Attracting More Cash Pay Volume. And, you know, as we've added more, well, I should start, start with the, the Boost Bariatric story started basically right there in the room that you're sitting. Uh, you guys were the first client we ever had, worked with you the longest, more than anybody. And if you would, will you take a couple minutes and just tell the story about how you, how you decided to choose the niche of bariatrics and how you and Blue got together and all of that? Yeah, um, I uh, came to the Panhandle of Texas to a small town called Borger, just north of Amarillo, from the University of Florida uh, uh, for my surgical training. And I was a one-person community surgeon. Uh, got really busy really fast, loved it. Uh, but I uh, noticed I was taking care of a lot of uh, uh, weight-related issues uh, in my clinic. Uh, for, for example, people that would go off to another facility, uh, have surgery, uh, come back, be struggling, uh, either need a, a, a scope or just uh, hand-holding in general. And that's when we started you know, really looking into the market of the panhandle and uh, Amarillo as far as weight loss and weight loss surgery. Um, had a, a buddy of mine over in Dalhart, Texas named Blue Sneeder John. He was also a one-man uh, community surgeon over uh, over there in Dalhart. And we got together, uh, compared notes, saw that this was a common theme uh, in the panhandle, people going off to destination surgery, coming back to the panhandle with no education, uh, nobody to help them with complications, things of that nature. And so that's kind of the, the story of how we started. Uh, we, we started off doing, uh, moved to Amarillo, set up a, a two exam room uh, clinic, uh, started seeing patients, did a lot of general surgery still at that point. We're taking general surgery call. Um, and then as your, your private uh, or your, uh, your elective bariatric uh, practice grows, you got to start scratching your head looking at that general surgery call and how many days and how many hours it eats up and, uh, and uh, interferes with your, with your elective practice. Uh, I don't think you need me to tell you, once you get a taste of an elective practice, uh, on-call surgery doesn't seem all that fun anymore. Uh, and once we were able to, uh, to get that up and uh, go and have enough volume, we completely pulled out of general surgery call and, uh, and, and minimized our, our general surgery uh, elective consults as well as the bariatric business group. Yeah, as a percentage of business, your general surgery now is, what would you say, less than 5%? I'd say less than 5%, probably more as we've added uh, links uh, uh, or, you know, parasophageal hernia repairs and, and reflux for surgery, uh, links specifically for our, our post-sleeve and post-duodenal switch patients. So I'd say that's probably come up to probably 10, 15%, uh, but you could probably say it's 95% uh, foregut, uh, and I'd say the the outside of that's uh, gallbladders and, and occasional hernias. Mm -hmm. And in the first year that you and Blue, how many years ago did you guys start shopping Amarillo? Uh, having to scratch my head now. I think it was 2013 to 14, uh, kind of in that block. I'd say our first year we probably did uh, 150 bariatric cases. That's that's probably upper limits. I'm I'm pulling that number out of my uh, uh, imagination. Um, and we thought we were busy. We thought we were Cadillac. We thought that we'd set the world on fire. Um, and so, uh, we went down that pathway and I'd, I'd also kind of throw in there. I'd probably say 50% of our, our initial volume was, was, uh, Medicare. 
Yeah. Um, there was an, another surgeon, another bariatric surgeon in town when we got here. He pretty much had the uh, private insurance market and any any kind of cash pay market. So we were just picking up scraps with a uh, with Medicare, not to not to call uh, Medicare uh, scraps, but he was he had basically that other surgeon had basically had stopped accepting Medicare. Mm-hmm. And we said, heck yeah, we'll take it. So from there, hundred uh, around a hundred hundred fifty cases. And I know you guys have done a lot of different marketing things and uh, you pull from a really wide area. So today you've added a third surgeon. Um, of course, don't share anything that you don't want because I'm going to share this with everyone I can. So don't give away your secrets. But uh, do you mind sharing in the last couple of years how many bariatric cases you guys average? Yeah, I'd say in the, the past uh, two to three years, uh, I bet we average at, at the minimum probably 700 up to to the maximum, probably 800, 850. Um, and uh, that, that varies based off uh, certain certain things, uh, uh, certain things we've done with you, certain things, you know, just different flows and and uh, how we pull people through conversion percentages. Uh, but the, I'd say a, a good, a, a bad year for us would be 600, 650. A uh, good year is going to be eight, 850 uh, plus. Mm-hmm. And um, no Medicaid, you still do Medicare. Right. Yeah. No, no, no Medicaid. Uh, we, we, I probably say our practice went from 50% Medicare to probably 10 to 15% Medicare at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, if anybody's listening and trying to start a practice, uh, you know, people kind of look at Medicare as, I mean, they're sicker patients, they're unhealthier patients. They, uh, uh, but they're, they're willing. Uh, so a, they're, they're, they, they want somebody to give them hope and give them help. But B, they talk the loudest in the community. If you operate on Grandma Susie and uh, she's got three daughters and two granddaughters and she goes to church and you treat, you treat her right, uh, that, that, you know, you can't view Medicare as a detriment to your, to your, your fee schedule or, or your payments. You have to look at it as, hey, here's, here's an opportunity to do a good job and that person's going to go out and, and tell everybody else about what she experienced with us. Mm, that's a great point. Yeah, because even you know, before we started really pouring on marketing and you guys were doing more digital marketing, uh, the vast majority of your volume came from friends of friends of friends of friends from what's unique. You guys pull patients from 300. It's not uncommon to get patients from 300 miles away, right? Yeah. So, uh, unique to the panhandle, we, we service multiple States. So we got New Mexico, Colorado, uh, Oklahoma, Kansas, um, and then our, our southern reach would probably be probably down to Abilene, uh, and then our, our eastern reach is probably Wichita Falls, if not a little bit further on that side. Uh, I'd, I'd say if you're in Wichita Falls, it's about a 50-50, whether you're going to go to Dallas or you're going to come to Amarillo, right. uh, but that's, you know, that's still a, a wide swath of land uh, to, to cover. Yep, and so leads us to the, the topic of this conversation because you guys do as much cash as anybody that I've ever seen in the nation. Uh, and you can say the percentage if you want to, but was it 30, 40% cash pay? I, I'd probably say 40 uh, at the, at the minimum, 40% yeah. cash pay. Um, I think some years it probably touches in closer into the, into the, to the fifties. Um, but we've always done a significant amount of cash pay for there's a, there's a multiple multitude of reasons. Um, number one, uh, bariatric, coverage on insurance plans in the panhandle is pretty poor um and, and typically across the state and across the nation it's going to be pretty poor 
So you, you, you look at your, your, your population that you're um, uh, appealing to. Uh, so take all those people, take out people that aren't working. So you take out your Medicare population, you take everybody out under 18. So you got, um, you, know, you got this population of people and then, you know, would say 25 to 30% of all insurance contracts with their employer actually cover bariatrics. So, you know, haircut your numbers one more time. And if you're only going to do insurance and if that's all you're going to cater to and that's all you want to deal with, you've just minimized your available clientele by a drastic percentage. Mm -hmm. um, so number one, there was a need, right? So there's, there's people out there that uh, need help, uh, that want help, um, and just their, their, their insurance doesn't, doesn't help them out with that. So off of that, we kind of wrote into wanting to be fair and transparent, right? So um, now obviously I could, I could put a billboard up and say, hey, we're, we're charging $25,000 for a sleeve and I take $10,000 a case home. Not going to have many people bite. I may have a few, mm -hmm. um, but you know, just being realistic about what my average expectations on the insurance patient is, uh, and comparing that to the the cash experience, but also going to the hospital and being a patient advocate, right? Because initially, when you start doing these cash cases in their hospitals, they're gonna they're gonna want to charge that patient everything they charge that insurance patient, right? Right. So up front, you'd be like, all right, well, you give your cash people a 40% discount, right? That's pretty standard at most hospitals. So you, you get it into, uh, you know, you're actually not even the ballpark yet, but you've, you've started the conversation with the hospital to, to get it down. Next thing we did was take, just take the price index for the, for the case. You know, get your stapler rep to write down how much money you're spending with them, your, your heat rep, your, your turnover per case, how many nurses, anesthesiologists. All right, so now we have a true and legitimate number uh, to present to the hospital and to say, realistically, what do you want your price margin to be on this case? Because if you, if you go too high, we don't do them, right? Or another thing lucky for us is we, we operate at two major hospitals. So I'll be pretty honest, we pitched them against each other, on a little bit of a, of a, a bidding war because we had a significant amount of cash patients. So we, we kept driving that price down on the facility side even further uh, to try to get, get that price point more available for, for patients. And then, so there was a need, you were able to drive the largest cost down, which is facility fee. And then what was it, three-ish years ago, you guys decided to build your own ASC. Right, so we uh, just truly, truly blessed in this situation, but, uh, a space came available basically right across the street from us, so very convenient. We had wrestled in our head, um, hey, how am I gonna, how, how can we contain facility costs? Uh, and, you know, obviously you start thinking, well, you know, the only way to do that is to do it ourselves. Because mm -hmm. uh, uh, you, you can only go so far uh, on, on systems owned and, and managed uh, hospitals. So uh, we, we had tossed around the idea of, of building an ASC, purchasing. Uh, there was a surgical hospital in town. They said our patients were too big, so they wouldn't let us invest. Uh, I mean, we all know that orthopedic patients probably have higher BMI rates than bariatric patients. So uh, that, that, that somewhat irritated us to a certain extent. Uh, and uh, just luckily, this space came available, and we went to go check it out, actually, for a clinic space. And lo and behold, it had been an accredited ASC. Phones were there. All the, all the infrastructure was there. It had just been uh, 
plastered over uh, to make into a physical rehabilitation center. So we bought it, uh, did a minimal amount of remodel, got it back to a two OR ambulatory care center, uh, about uh, 10,000 square feet, uh, with the intent to purely just do bariatrics there two days a week. Uh, that grew into a multi-specialty uh, ambulatory surgery center, and it's grown, it's grown uh, beyond our wildest means. But the, the biggest emphasis in, in the context of this conversation is now we are able to control the facility fee and keep it within reasonable margins based off reimbursement on insurance cases, just appropriate expectations. Like I've never understood why we price gouge our, our cash pay patients. So, you know, if, if you have a facility that you're dealing with that's in the business of price gouging people that don't have insurance, um, you might want to find another, another place to negotiate. Or if you're in a state that allows you to, to own and operate your own ASC without a certificate of need, then uh, I do encourage you guys to, uh, to look at that uh, right. as an option. Yeah. And we don't have to talk about this now, but then you guys ended up taking on uh, quite a few other specialties and other partners that invest in the surgery center. And now that thing is cranking the OR every day, right? Right. Right. Um, also, uh, this wasn't on my list, but I just thought, you know, you guys probably do as many switches as anybody in the country. Are you doing cash pay switches? We are. We do uh, cash pay switches under a BMI of 55 for males, outpatient at the surgery center. So completely outpatient, yeah. home two and a half hours after surgery, uh, um, up to a BMI of 60 for females. And then any, anything over that goes back to the main hospitals. Um, just from an ambulatory surgery center regulation standpoint, uh, having to cap those BMI points. Yeah. Uh, but I'd say probably um, probably 20% of our duodenal switches, and we do probably on average 200 to 250 a year are done in the outpatient setting. Even I'd probably say 10 to 15% of the ones we actually do at the hospital still go home uh, same day. Wow. Um, I don't want to get off track, but are more patients – showing up into the uh, initial consult room and being a little bit more educated on the switch. I've heard of it. I know what it is. My buddy had it. Is yeah. That, yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. So uh, two things, patients talk and then number two, primary care uh, talks. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, when we, when we have referrals on those kind of more appropriate candidates, either like really bad diabetes or BMIs over 45, most of the primary care is already kind of laid uh, that foundation of, of what procedure to, to look into. And then also within families, within, you know, uh, work groups, within church groups, those people talk and they compare, you know, Hey, I had a gastric bypass and this happened. Hey, I had a sleeve and this is what's going on. Hey, I had to do an L switch and, and this, is, these are my results. So they, you know, patients do talk, get together. And so they, it is a more educated clientele than, you know, we incorporated the doodle switch probably five years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, you know, probably started off doing about 50 to 75, uh, in that first one or two years. And it's just steadily, uh, grown. Uh, it, we used to do probably two a week. Now I, I bet we're doing eight a week. Um, so, I mean, it's grow, grown quite a bit and mainly, yeah. mainly because patients are educated and want to know more about it. Sure. Um, if you're doing, you guys take a lot of volume to both of those hospitals in town, then you build your own ASC. So some of the volume at least is going to go away. How, how did you, uh, you know, if I'm, a, if, my, if I'm a physician in a major market and I've got a great relationship with the hospital, I'm a little nervous about what's going to happen when I build my ASC. How have you guys maintained the relationship between the hospitals and all that? 
well, we, you know, when, when it comes down to it, we're still profiting both those hospitals five to $7 million a year. So, I mean, you can have part of the pie, you can have another pie. Uh, you know, I think that's, that's a, that's kind of a, a specific to our market. I mean, we're the, we're the, there's, we're the biggest bariatric practice in this market and probably in this region. Um, so even though we're not doing hundred percent of our cases at either one of those hospitals or at our, our surgery center, we're still doing a, a pretty high, uh, percentage, uh, you know, I, not to, not to, so there's two hospitals in our, in our, um, our community, two large hospitals. Uh, one of them, we probably do 50% of our overall volume at, uh, and then we probably do 30% of our overall volume, 30, 35% of the surgery center. And the rest goes to that that second hospital that uh, that second hospital struggling with volume anyway so they're not they're not particularly going to run anybody off right. uh and then the, the one that we're doing 50 percent of our volume they still know that we're bringing i mean we're we're operating seven to seven a.m to six p six p.m every day we have an operating day there so yep. and, and when it comes down to it we couldn't you know without getting another operative operative day which they uh probably don't have the room for they couldn't take any more of our volume uh, you know, building a certainly getting cash pay and getting attention uh, has to do with spending some money on marketing, but also building a brand. Uh, you know, even a lot of the clients that we work with, and certainly lots of the guys you know, they still want to keep their foot in lots of general surgery and they won't make the shift. You know, you go to your website today, it is a weight loss surgery website. The, the general surgery is it's even hard to find. What, what would you say to? To someone who uh, hasn't made the the jump, would love to make the jump and say, "I'm only bariatrics." How do you do that? What's your thought process? Yeah, um, without just calling it a leap of faith. Uh, no, we. Uh, it's more about market analysis, right? And so, uh, I think anytime anybody creates a business out there outside of medicine, they actually look at a market, they look at a need, and they supply it. Whereas in medicine, I mean, for some reason we do everything just completely backwards in medicine. Uh, so you, you roll into the Panhandle of Texas, you know, we're probably looking at 750,000 people in, the, in our catchment. And we've got a five to 7% morbid obesity rate with probably knocking on a 45 to 50% obesity rate. Um, start looking at insurance coverage, start looking at those cash prices. It was kind of a no brainer for us. Uh, Number one, from uh, the, the the market, looking at what's what's out there, and number two, when you realize um, how disruptive that general surgery portion of your practice is to your elective portion, that's a big deal. And number three, when people are looking around for surgeons, right? I mean, if you're gonna get your if you're gonna get your breast done, you're gonna you're gonna go to the the face guy that does breasts every once in a while right? Or are you going to go to the, the breast surgeon that does breast surgery, right? I only want so, to breast surgery. I, mean, I, don't, I don't get my oil changed with the break, by the break guy. Uh, so it, there, there is an element of that. And when people know that that is your passion, when they know that is what you have committed your, your clinic to, right. and, you know, we, after this, we can kind of get into how we run our clinic and what, you know, the, the, the employees we have and what it looks like compared to a general surgery clinic. Once, they, once a patient walks into a clinic, they know it's specifically about their health and wellness. Um, that's, that's an easier sell. I mean, even going back to the cash discussion, right? If, I went, if I'm going to drop $10,000 on, a, on, a, on a, uh, a procedure, you know, I, I kind of want to know that, that this, is, this is the guy that, that that's all he does, right? Yep. Um, 
so that, that's kind of you know my encouragement would be just to look at your market look at look at who's out there look who's available uh if if those percentages line up in your favor i mean that it'll come if you build it i mean hate to still a movie reference but if you build it it happens man they uh it, but it I, it's hard for it to happen within the setting of a busy general surgeon yeah uh that's good stuff Okay, man, I don't have any other great questions about cash pay. I do. I, I wrote that down. Let's do let's schedule another one and talk about staffing for a purely bariatric clinic. Um, yeah, that's where we're going to scare everybody away. Ah, uh, no kidding. You start talking about overhead and management. Take, so, so, take your take your five person general surgery clinic, hire 20 more people. <laughs> what, so last question, what do you see? And what's the next 10 years of private practice versus employed? Uh, is private going to keep, is it going to get smaller or are more people going to go that way? Yeah. You know, when I look at the, uh, the, the, the relationship between physicians and, and hospital systems and staying private versus being employed, um, I, you know, it, it's hard to really give opinion because you're dealing with some different generations, right? So the, the, the generation before me, the two generations before me, my generation, and probably only 50% of my generation, we're still, we, we still have to fight, right? I want to run my own clinic. I want to call the shots. I want to do the things. I want to make it as good as I can make it. Um, whereas I think the, the next generations of surgeons just want a paycheck, right? They just want to punch a clock, go home, take their call responsibilities, have insurance, uh, not take advantage of all the things the government has set up for people like me. I mean, that's their choice, whatever they want to do. Um, I think at some point it'll, it'll reverse. I mean, it's just, it's America, right? We always tilt one way and tilt back the other. Uh, soon people will realize that, um, these hospital systems are operating on margins and those margins have nothing to do with you. Right. right? So you got, uh, I have a CEO here in town, a hospital, he makes two or 3 million. He's got to see a regional CEO. He makes two or 3 million, probably 4 million. Got to make more than the, the local CEO. He has a sub-regional CEO. And I'm, not, I'm leaving out the rest of the C-suite, right? And then you got, they got CEO suite uh, of the whole company up in Tennessee that's making, CEOs making $10, $15 million a year, right. right? But they can only pitch to their investors at 6 to 7% margins, okay? People are going to figure that crap out at some point. We have to. When it comes to medicine, we have to, we, we got to look at that, right? I'm the one slaving, taking the risk, doing patients and, you know, doing, you know, taking care of patients. You know, I'm making money if I, especially specifically if I go work for a system and I'm employed, I take a haircut on my, on my potential. Right. Right. And so until people want to buy into that, you know, they're going to continue to flood to employee jobs uh, because, because of stability. Right. Um, hmm. Anyways, probably didn't answer no, your question. No, that's a great answer. Yeah. We've talked about it before. You, uh, you know, we've both chosen the path of self-employment or business ownership and you can, People think that having a job is, is very secure, but you have one source of income. And at least when you have clients or patients, you've got many, 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 many sources of income. So we've seen the last 10 years of people being wiped out who thought they were in a safe, secure job. So anyway, now we're getting off track. Yeah, man. I love it. <laughs> hey, that was fantastic information. I want to keep these short and sweet so they're not too long so we can listen to them when we're uh, doing a short jog in the morning or something. So. Thank you for your time, and I'm going to get you signed up for the next one. Okay. All right, Maddie. Thanks, Bo. Have a good day, bud. Bye.